Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the August issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Managing Early Weaned Calves. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the author, Dr. Carla Wilkie, who's a calf-calf systems and stocker management specialist based at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Wilkie. Thank you for having me. Dr. Wilkie, we continue to see drought conditions expand across much of the state, and this prompts many cow-calf producers to consider what are some options to reduce the demand for forage on native range and pasture. Early weaning calves are one of the opportunities to do that. Share with us a little more about some management principles producers need to think about and remember as they consider managing the early weaned calf, and what are some things they want to make sure they have in place if they move forward with that? Well, you know, first of all, milk is a, is a great resource of nutrition for the young calf. And the, the young calf at three months of age, which would maybe be a typical uh, early weaned calf in most of our beef systems, maybe 90 to 120 days might be the age of the early weaned calf. And we have research that says about 50% on an organic matter basis of that calf's diet is coming from milk and the rest from forage already. But as that calf moves toward five months of age, which is a lot more of a traditional weaning, then the forage portion of that diet becomes a lot greater. So if you're early weaning, you got to remember that you're replacing more of the, the milk in its diet. And milk has a lot more nutrition in it than the forage that they're eating. And especially if you are you know, starting to get into drought conditions and the forage is maturing uh, very rapidly, then, then the milk is providing a lot of the, the nutrition for that calf. And so um, trying to decide how much um, gain you want those calves to continue to maintain and what feedstuffs you may need to use to replace some of that nutrition coming from the milk need to be figured out ahead of time you know, slow, um, very poorly digested forages, like very mature um, grasses or uh, residues have a very slow rate of passage through the rumen. And remember that this little calf has a very small rumen. And so we need feedstuffs that can pass through the rumen very quickly so that that calf can consume more. Because if it's slowly digested and it doesn't move through the rumen very fast, he feels full and doesn't eat enough. And that's where we get kind of those pot-bellied looking calves that we don't really like. So that's one of the things that we need to think about. As we think about the energy density and protein density of this diet, what are some things we need to be thinking about as we look at that? And when we think about the quality of protein in milk, and we also think about the quality of protein and in distiller's grains or alfalfa hay or something like that, what do we need to be paying attention to there to make sure we're meeting that calf's protein needs? And that's a very good question. So milk actually, while it's highly digestible, it, because they, when they suckle the esophageal groove closes, it goes straight to the abomasum and, and bypasses the rumen. And so all of that goes for uh, muscle growth and skeletal growth, all those tissue growth things in a calf, as opposed to becoming a nitrogen source for bacteria in the rumen. And so 
we're trying to replace that to keep the calf growing. On the other hand, we do want some nitrogen in the rumen because we want the calf's rumen to continue to develop. But distiller's grains has a lot of that protein that will not be digested by the microbes in the rumen. So then it will move on to the abomasum and be digested there and then absorbed in the small intestine. And so that protein is largely available for that tissue growth. You mentioned alfalfa, that's very palatable and it can be a good source of protein, but that's going to be pretty much digestible in the rumen. So that's going to provide a nitrogen source more strictly for the microbes. And so we need to keep in mind, you know, what type of feedstuffs we're, we're getting for the calf and what we're expecting those feedstuffs to do for the calf. There's a lot more energy in the distillers than there is in the alfalfa pay. And so that too, you know, is a high nutrient need. Energy is a very high nutrient need for that young calf as well. And, and a good mineral program is important. Let's talk a little bit about the efficiency of these young weaned calves in terms of feed conversion, cost of gain. As we're thinking about feedstuffs right now, obviously feed prices are much higher than they were 18 months ago, two years ago. And as we think about evaluating where we spend money on feed, do these early weaned calves warrant a little more money being spent just because of the efficiency they provide? They are very efficient. And so they do come up with a pretty good rate of gain for the feed that, that goes into them. And so um, feeding them for a little bit probably is going to pay off um, more so than just selling that early weaned calf. Um, even though there's a price slide for the lighter calf, usually don't quite make that up. Uh, compared to the little bit bigger calf that we typically sell. So uh, putting a little bit of feed into them for a little while can, can actually pay off. I would caution producers to, to really uh, evaluate though, the cost of the feed, the value of the, or the predicted value that they think that they're going to get from that calf when they do sell it. Because as you mentioned, this year, particularly feedstuffs are going to be pretty high priced and you don't want to get in a position where you fed the calf and didn't really recoup enough of that feed cost. So we really need to think about what's our cost of gain and then also what's our value of gain in terms of what are we getting paid for each additional pound mm -hmm. we're putting on? Yeah, I think they need to really evaluate some of those things to determine how long they want to, you know, maybe feed that calf um, where they might want to sell him and try to hit the, the optimum for that as best they can. Dr. Wilkie, as we think about the management practice of early weaning calves, any suggestions on how we introduce these calves to this new feed? What do we need in terms of bunk space? Do we need to adjust that, waterers? What are some things that maybe we would do differently with a 90 or 100-day-old calf versus a 180 to 200-day-old calf? One thing that can really help these calves, especially if, if a producer is already in a little bit of a drought situation and running short on feed for the cows, is to go ahead and feed those pairs a little bit of feed that's going to be in that calf diet. And if they've been exposed to those feedstuffs prior to weaning, they sure take off on them a lot faster. And some people may not have the the way their system is set up that may not be feasible, but if it is, even if you, you know, put it out on the ground a little bit and get them used to it. That can really make them take off on it quicker because they're familiar with it. Um, they do need at least 12 inches of feeding space or bunk space. 
young weaned, early weaned calves eat very frequently. And so when you have a group of an uneven group of smaller calves and bigger calves, the, the bigger calves tend to take some of the littler calves feed because their rumen is bigger. They can eat more at a time, whereas the smaller calves got to come back several times and nibble. So being aware of that and maybe sorting those groups or planning to sort those groups could help even those calves out before marketing. You know, some of our pens are set up for 500, 600 pound calf, but they're not set up for a 250, 300 pound calf. So can they reach the feed bunk? Can they reach the water tank? Um, Can they crawl through the fence? You know, there's some things like that, that maybe aren't an issue in your pens normally, but if you're going to change the timing of things, maybe we better think through some of those things. Dr. Wilkie, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic that you think would be valuable for producers as they consider this management option? Um, You know, being able to spread those a little bit can be really important too, I think, um, to make sure they have plenty of space to lie down and don't get too uh, congested, which can add to some illness issues. I would have a good visit with their local veterinarian before they do this to make sure that if the vet feels like they need to change their pre-weaning vaccination protocols and their booster shot timing or what they're giving and those kinds of things, um, that they have that planned out ahead of time. If, if the vet feels like that needs to be different than what they would traditionally do, having a plan with the vet for treating any illnesses that might occur before having it all ready to go beforehand could really help them as well. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Wilkie. Well, thank you for having me. Now, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, there's a number of resources on this topic.